So I could tell all these different stories about how I overcame fear, but if people listen to it trying to have it be some antidote that they're drinking, that they're yeah. eventually going to be fear, fear away. Yeah, yeah. That, that never happens. Yeah. So rather than trying to wash that fear away, just learn to sit with the uncomfortable feeling that is being in the unknown. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Veil Media's Now You Know podcast. If this is your first time here, thank you and welcome. Our podcast is all about uh, highlighting and sharing stories that inspire. Um, and the stories all come from people who are making an impact in the world, but more importantly, our local Utah community. Every single person that we have on the show has ties to Utah. And, uh, and that's what we're all, all about. So once you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and take a look back at all the other episodes that we've done. We've had awesome people from the athletics world, people who are doing things in professional sports, in the business world, um, teachers, authors, we have them all. And they're all making uh, an impact, and again, in our Utah community. So on the show today... Uh, we have the one and only Stuart Edge with over 2.4 million subscribers on YouTube. You might recognize some of his uh, more popular videos with the mistletoe prank, which was filmed over here at BYU. He did uh, free hugs, I think, over in Europe um, and many, many more. You'll, you, If you check out Stuart Edge's um, YouTube channel, you'll catch him serenading and doing instant dates with magic tricks and... Um, pay it forward pranks and, and singing and dancing. He's kind of, he kind of does it all. Um, also his success on YouTube has kind of opened doors to obviously travel around the world. I mentioned that video that he did in Europe. Um, he's done many others like that. He's been featured on Jimmy Fallon's, uh, show out in New York. Um, and even closer to home, he does, um, a lot of service. I, I mentioned kind of these pay it forward pranks. He does, um, those have millions of views on, on his YouTube channel too, as well as, um, I know that he's done some things in hospitals for kids and in helping them even last year during, uh, kind of right in the middle of 2020 when the pandemic was, um, right in, in, in full swing. And so I'm excited for you to listen to this because I think a lot of people know Stuart Edge as the magician, the comedian, the entertainer, this, uh, interview for me kind of peeled back even those layers and and you realize how methodical he actually is the biggest principle i took away from our conversation was this um this principle of vision and visualizing what you want to do where you want to be his story is unique he goes from mexico to cleaning porta potties to being an internet uh famous successful entertainer um, and it happened really relatively quickly, but um, methodically at the same time. Like this was something that he uh, had envisioned for himself. Um, and I think you'll catch on to uh, what I'm talking about. Anyways, without further ado, I'll let you jump in to the interview with Stuart Edge. I like to sometimes think about this, like if my younger self eight-year-old me or something walked through this door right now and like sat down what would he be thinking like oh my like you're doing an interview talking about your life um 
my eight-year-old se- eight self, my younger self, he would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I, I could see that. Nothing that I do today is so out of the ordinary to what my younger self wanted to do. And I think that actually is an important thing. I used to tell people, like when I was first getting into, started making YouTube videos, I would say this line, like, my younger self would be so surprised. But then I actually sat and thought about it. I was like, would he be surprised? I was like, no, like my younger self wanted stuff like this. He was the one that was pursuing, you know, entertainment. I, I did a magic show in fifth grade for the fifth grade talent show. And I had never had anyone in my family ever do magic before. I had just watched magic shows on TV and I had done a book report on Harry Houdini in the second grade. So uh, I was always interested in doing some sort of performing. And uh, when I was 16, I uh, wanted to, uh, I, that's where I decided I wanted to be an actor. Um, like, cause that's the only, I was like, oh, maybe that's what I do, you know, I'll, I'll do acting. Um, I did sports growing up. I, I loved doing wrestling and uh, football, uh, but I also loved doing musicals and performing. I do think that a lot of my desire for being on a stage and performing stemmed from growing up in a home where maybe I wasn't getting the attention that I needed. I was the oldest of three boys. Uh, things at, in my parents' relationship were pretty rocky. Um, my parents ended up divorcing when I was 13. And then my mom and my brothers, we moved to a town in northern Mexico where my mom got to teach school for a year. And so we like went and I lived in this town for a year. And uh, so th- th- my childhood was, was pretty rocky, right? Um, the family dynamic on my dad's side of the family is, is filled with kind of a, a lot of unhealthy um, marriage relationships. And so, and then on my mom's side, you know, there's kind of been some feelings of shame a lot in her family. So I'm just setting that up where my childhood was, was rough. And I think a lot of the desire for being a performer stemmed from wanting the validation from other people. That obviously has motivated me to where I am today, but I'm in a stage right now where I'm making sure that I'm okay if I don't get external validation from every single person that I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the setup with the kid. I think that's all the information you, that, I mean, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. That's, that's, uh, I think that's uh, intriguing to hear, right? Because, um, Stuart Edge, the, the famous YouTuber, yeah. right. Is like this guy doing breakdance moves and moonwalking on in New <laughs> York city. Yeah. And, um, which did stem, I did, I, that stemmed from throwing out a cardboard box on my garage, you know, door, my garage, uh, that stemmed from throwing out a garage, uh, excuse me, like, You're good. that stemmed from throwing out a cardboard box uh, on my driveway and just practicing breakdance moves and just self-taught. Yeah. Self-taught. Self-motivated, man. Yeah. But I'm not like there are people that there are real actual professional break dancers and hip hoppers. I just feel like I can edit video well to make me look yeah. good. But sorry, what were you saying before that? No, I, I, I just was kind of, I, I just think that's kind of, uh, super interesting and, and powerful in that, um, you know what I mean? I think 
if someone only knows you uh, from your YouTube videos, right, they might be like, man, this guy has all, like, you know what I mean, all sunshine and daisies, you know what I mean? But um, but you, it turns out you're human too, man. If somebody is an expert in their craft, they probably have a messed up childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, I've heard that before. Like, I in, mean, that's, in, a very, that's a very blanket sca- statement, very broad strokes there, but... <laughs> It'd be an okay assumption. No, I, I, I catch the spirit of what you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, and granted, I do want to make a note. Like, I actually I have empathy towards people that have very, very difficult lives. Comparatively, if we're getting into comparison, my life was, was, was good. I, thankfully, my mom was very well educated. I mean, she um, got her bachelor's degree, her master's degree, and, and she just actually just got a terminal degree. So she was very well educated, and I think that really helped my my me and my brothers out um and i am so grateful that my mom really and my dad both as much as like they had their rocky relationships i see how they both wanted to be transitional characters and they wanted to dam up the unhealthiness that was coming from both of their families and my mom did and dad didn't they did not force me to do anything they really allowed me to explore the options that i wanted to do and i think that's why i'm able to do what i am doing today is because of that encouragement so any parents out there like keep encouraging your children to pursue many different things and be be well balanced that's so interesting i i i love to talk about parenting and like yeah um and kind of i have three little kids myself but we have a mutual friend in Cameron, and when Cameron was on here, he brought up the same thing yeah. about how that was important, that his, his parents had allowed him to explore whatever he wanted to explore. Yeah. Um, he said that, um, what did he say? He said, like, at one point he, he wanted to be an archaeologist or paleo, I can't remember, the one that digs up the yeah. fossils because he grew up in southern Utah, and his parents let him all right, let's go down this. And they, they kind of encouraged and fostered whatever he wanted. And then he went far enough to realize, okay, maybe this isn't something I want to do. And, and, uh, and, and so I just think that's kind of, uh, good, a, a good note for, for parents. Yeah. And, uh, especially understanding your success. Um, that might be a good segue into kind of when, 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 when was your first YouTube video made? Like my first video ever made? Sure. The, the, the very first one, maybe. Well, let, I'll talk to you about the first video I ever made. Okay. It's not a YouTube video. I mean, it's on YouTube now. But I think that's a better start because that's how I then got into liking to make videos. So um, <clears throat> I, was, I was 13, 14. I was living in Mexico. It was this town called Colonia Juarez. It's in the northern part of Chihuahua, Mexico, just like three hours south of the El Paso, Texas, Mexico border. Uh, I'm 13 years old, and my parents divorced, and my mom's like, uh, we're going to be moving to Mexico for a year. And I didn't know any Spanish. I knew baño and burrito, which I guess (laughs) are the only two things you really need to know, because if you have a bad burrito... You just need to ask where (laughs) El Baño is, you know? Um, And so we we moved down. We pack all of our stuff in this ugly green van, and uh, we, like, set up a TV so we could, like, watch 
uh, movies as we were driving down there. Napoleon Dynamite was the thing. <laughs> uh, and we get down, and uh, it's it's an Americanized town down there, even though it was Mexico. So the, the history of it is um, Brigham Young, which was a pioneer that settled Utah, sent other pioneers down to Mexico to settle and to colonize an area. Well, this town has just continued to thrive since that day. It, it's still relatively small. I think maybe like a thousand people live there. But I mean, if you're familiar with with church worship, there's a there's a temple down there, and it was actually the first wave of small temples. Nice. Anyway, so in this town, it was like this first pilot of small temples. Um, anyway, so we we moved down there, and uh, I go to school the first day, uh, and walk in optimistic about how things are going to be going, new school and all this stuff. And uh, in the office, the lady is like, hola, como estas? And she's like talking to me in Spanish. I don't know anything what she's saying. And I have this moment of panic where I'm like, I literally am in another country right now and I don't speak the language. Oh. And I panic and I go outside and I sit down on the steps and I start to bawl my eyes out. And... I walk home, which was only like three blocks from the school. See my mom and I said, mom, I can't do this. I'm walking home. She's like, what? Like, I'm going home. I'm going to walk back to Utah. I didn't know that that was about uh, a thousand miles away. (laughs) (laughs) But in my mind, I was like, I don't have to get all the way home. I just have to get to the border which is a three-hour drive. <laughs> so I was just thinking, like, I don't know, maybe I'll hitchhike Yeah, in the middle of the Chihuahua Desert, <laughs> which probably I don't know if I would have made it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's just setting the stage. And my mom was like, why don't you give it one more day? Uh, just try another time. I was adamant on not doing it, but I decided that I'd go back to school and um, give it another day. I ended up going into a class and sat by a friend who um, and made some friends and, and things ended up, you know, things ended up working out. Uh, so in this little town, they uh, had a film class and I got into, oh, excuse me. No, no, no. They didn't have, in this town, they had um, a film uh, assignment that we had to do for one of our classes. Uh, where we had to uh, make a video that uh, represented a Bible story. And so a friend of mine, his name is Ethan, we did this video called Noah. It was like a three to four minute video. It is on my, if you search up Stuart Edge Noah video, you can find it. Uh, And basically, I mean, (laughs) you just watch it. It's pretty embarrassing. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But the moment for me that was was so prolific is when we were sitting at this Macintosh computer and I'm talking like not fancy Mac like we have. It's the, those old ones that had like the green colored yeah. back <laughs> and I'm watching his brother, his older brother edit the video and I'm like, well, this is such a cool thing to be able to make film. I would love to make videos someday, but no, no, I, I, I couldn't ever do that because I don't want to ever have to edit an R-rated movie. <laughs> that was my 14-year-old self. Like, <laughs> good dude. <laughs> I mean, looking. I'm looking back. I'm like, I mean, that. It's funny the innocence, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to edit an R-rated movie. But here's the funny part: is because of that, I completely dismissed the idea of ever someday doing any sort of video work. 
<laughs> and I was just like, I will never do it because that's not what I want to do. Maybe that's the symbol. You could get dive into the symbolism there that I was willing to like give up my dream because of this desire to only do good things. But that's where the seed was planted for making videos. And so, yeah, if you look up Stuart Edge Noah video, you can see this video that sparked that creative video making Stuart Edge. And so f for years, um, I mean, for, for 10 years after that, I always had this desire of wanting to make video, but knowing that it was never really a thing. I would dabble in sometimes editing videos here and there. Um, and I would, again, I would always love doing it, but like, no, this is, I'm like, I'm taking an illegal drug or something. You know? <laughs> like I shouldn't be doing this video stuff. But then it was when I was back here uh, in Utah County I was at college. I was cleaning porta potties uh, for my job, uh, enjoying my social life. But at 24, I started to think, "Where is my life headed?" And I was so discouraged that I wrote my future self a letter one day, and I said, "You know, these are some of the things you hope to be doing. You're cleaning porta potties right now, but you have no idea where you're going." And you wonder where you'll be in, say, six months' time. And I just visualized for myself a better future and, and what I wanted. And after about a few weeks of doing that, about after a few weeks of still cleaning porta potties, I had this idea to start making YouTube videos. And so I bought a camera and started taking that camera with me. And a friend of mine saw me with the camera and offered me an internship, and that led to me learning how to make YouTube videos. And then I uploaded the mistletoe kissing prank, which was my yeah. first video that went viral. And my life has changed overnight. And it's so interesting looking back now at all these moments. It's like, wow, I was in such a low moment where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I wrote my future self a letter saying the things that I wanted to do and how that manifested itself. Thinking back to my young 14-year-old self who yeah. really wanted to do video but didn't because he gave up his dream because he didn't want to edit an R-rated yeah. movie. Um, and just seeing how that whole timeline is played out. But that's why going back to this whole idea of if my younger self came in, he wouldn't be surprised at what uh -huh. I'm doing right now. And I think that's a great signal for anybody. Um if your younger self wouldn't be surprised by what you're doing, I think you're on a good path. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I want to kind of maybe even try to dissect a little bit more yeah. or unpack a little bit more um, uh, uh, about that. Because I think um, like, a, and I want to talk about fear a little bit and how you overcame fear, uh, what your fears were in, mm -hmm. in this process. Like, because I... This is if if I'm if I put myself in your shoes and 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 I'm like okay I'm gonna do this. There's this initial fear of like uh, initial investment, right? Like yeah. All right, I gotta I'm gonna buy a camera. I'm just this is gonna be something I'm gonna do. This was yeah. an idea that I had. I'm comfortable with with the idea in my head, but now it's getting a little more uncomfortable if I'm gonna you know, make a financial mm -hmm. investment in getting a camera. But that might be the first wave of fear. But yeah. then you can live with that once you make the purchase. Then the next fear in my mind would be like all right, I'm going to do this video. Yeah. And then to come up with this idea yeah. of the mistletoe prank where you pretty much hang a mistletoe randomly over uh, some people and, and yeah. you see if they commit to the kiss or not. And uh, 
which is like a funny idea. Like I can see like me and my friends, right? Like, dude, I have this idea for this video. And I can see initial like support. Like, dude, that would be so funny, bro, if you did something like that. But to do that is another thing. Like, and then like to, I just can like, and if you're listening, maybe even feel the anxiety of like, <laughs> okay, dude, we're doing this. I got the yeah. mistletoe hanging right here. This is what we're going to do. Let's go to this college campus. Yeah. You guys did it at BYU, I think. And um, so you're like, let's go to this college campus and, and we're going to do this. And you're just kind of even like people kind of yeah. nearby watching you. Um, that wasn't the scariest part. Well, well, tell us what the scariest part was. And then once once you get to the scary, once you explain that, tell us how you were able to overcome that. So here's a, a little more detail into what was happening around that time. So uh, one of the. Okay, so I, 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 went, I did a mission where I was a missionary for two years in Mexico. Um, came back, and I was thinking about where to go to school and what to do. Because if you grew up in, in a religious faith, right, like, and you know that like, if you, so you serve a mission, I mean, at least in the culture that I grew up in, you, you, that's all you think about, right? I mean, that's, not, that's what all I was thinking about. Maybe other people are trained and taught to like think about what they're going to do for their future. But for me, it was like, you go on a mission, you go on a mission. So then I went on a mission and I came back and I thought, Oh no, life is starting now. I did not think about anything that I wanted to do when I was 21 plus. All I thought about was what do I do? Got to do to get to 19 and then go on a mission somewhere. So there was a little bit of a moment of panic there. Uh, but when you're young, I mean, as much as you feel like you're an adult and you got things going, like you're still such, we're still such babies. So I, I sat with my mom and we we're like, hey, what, what are some options for me to do? And she's like, well, you know, you like to do ballroom dancing. Uh, why don't you go to Utah Valley University? Their ballroom team was just on Dancing with the Stars. I thought, ooh, that's cool. Maybe again, that motivation of wanting approval and like, you know, wanting to be seen. It's like, ooh, that would be cool. And so that's what I explored uh, getting down here. And that was a big decision as well. Was I going to move two hours away from, I mean, that's really not that far away, but I was like, well, am I going to move two hours away to some town that I've only been to like once or twice? I don't know anybody there. Or am I going to stay in my hometown? Um, so that was another, that was an element of that fear of what am I going to do? Uh, and I ended up making the decision to move down here to Utah County. And so that was, I would think, the first big step towards my journey um, in, in creating YouTube videos. Because once I was in this environment, uh, then that's when I, I dabbled with some different jobs and whatnot. And then that's how I stumbled upon that the porta potty job. Uh, as I'm telling all this, like <laughs> it's so interesting because a lot of people want to talk about fear. And as I'm, I'll get to like the point yeah. of where I'm going, but it's almost pointless to like worry about fear because you're prepared for it. If you really look back at, your life and the timeline and all of the tough decisions you've already made in your life. I look back and it's like, Oh yeah, like I've done this before and I'm still alive today. I think as we get older, the stakes get higher because we have less time or at least we think we have less time to make mistakes. Like if I make a mistake at 20 
and it takes me five years to recover from that. I'm 25, I'm still young. If I make a mistake at 30 and it takes five years and I'm 35, I mean, and then 35 to 40, like you're starting to lose, Mm -hmm. at least the thought is that you're losing some precious time. Um, And so I think when people ask about fear and they're worried about fear, they're like waiting for this like one moment. But here's here's the kicker, here's the secret. No matter what, no matter how good you get at facing your fears, there's always going to be a next level decision. There's always going to be an unknown in whatever you choose. Sorry, tough luck. Like that's the secret right there. It's not learning about how do you become immune to the pain of fear, but how do you just be able to accept it more and more? Wow, that's powerful, man. Yeah, and I haven't even finished the story yet, but that's just like where I think I kind of want to like make that point because that that's the main lesson that I've learned throughout this. So I could tell all these different stories about how I overcame fear, but if people listen to it trying to have it be some antidote that they're drinking, that they're yeah. eventually going to be fear, fear le- away. Yeah, yeah. That, that never happens. Yeah. So rather than trying to wash that fear away, just learn to sit with the uncomfortable feeling that is being in the unknown. Oh, that's powerful, man. Yeah. That's powerful. Thanks for sharing that. When you, uh, I feel like this podcast just got on Joe Rogan, Elon Musk level. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, Absolutely. Maybe we're man. just scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, I think, uh, I, 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 and I, I'm glad that you answered that in, in that way. And I think when, whenever we talk about fear on, on this podcast, um, that I think you articulated really well kind of what the theme is be- behind, I'm going to, in air quotes, uh, successful people and how they speak about fear, yeah. right? It's like, don't run away from it. You don't want to, it's uh, living with it and, and, yeah. and learning to harness fear yeah. to even push it forward. Yeah. That's the life lesson I've been learning is that it doesn't leave that, fe- that feeling. Every decision, there is an unknown. And it's that unknown that ends up be, being the healing part of... That, that unknown ends up being the antidote that we actually need mm-hmm. in life to live healthy lives. Because that unknown is vulnerability. That unknown is, is what relationships are built on healthy relationships where there's a feeling of trust and compassion. When we have a moment of fear, I believe what that essentially is boiling down to is do we trust ourselves enough that we feel like we can make the best decision? And so if someone's afraid of moving forward, that's just an outward manifestation of the level of trust that you have in yourself. Maybe you could even go deeper where I think that's a gauge of how much do you love yourself? Because if you're making a decision for yourself about what to do for a career, a creative endeavor to pursue like a podcast and you keep getting held up, I think it's a sign that you may not trust yourself. You may not trust that of all people who know you, you who knows yourself the best 
you can't trust them. And if you can't trust yourself, who, who's, who else can you trust? Right. I mean, there's a lot of people. There are many people that you can't trust, and I don't think every decision is just based on you. There are many times where you do have to put your trust in other people. But I think we're in a pandemic right now, hopefully coming towards the tail end of it. I hope, though, this leads us to worrying about another pandemic, which is major, which is um, people not loving themselves, people not trusting who they are being so worried about what other people are thinking of them. Like I, me worrying about what other people thought of me was such a huge motivator to the things I do today. But I need to focus on what I think of myself. Am I okay with me? You, 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 you kind of have alluded to it already and spoke around it a, a bit, but like, um, how did you transition from that? From, from maybe, wanting to be a performer and in seeking validation and everyone clapping yeah. for me like, Hey, Stuart edge, you're the man. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier that you're in a different place right now. You yeah. don't, you, you no longer seek for uh, validation from, from others yeah. mean, outside of your world or, you know I mean, uh, from the outside. Yeah. Um, what, how did, how did you transition from, that stage to where you're at today and, and what would your advice be to someone yeah. who may be stuck in that right within that i like how you said it maybe it's a gauge on mm-hmm. um may i don't trust myself man but uh and maybe i'm listening to this and and that resonates with <laughs> me like oh dang like i've been wanting to start this yeah. whatever it is and Stuart just called me out like what would your advice be to that person after you talk yeah. about how what helped you yeah because yeah, because the solution, I feel, is being able to be okay with yourself. And uh, there's, in psych- psychologists, um, in, the, in the world of psychology, there's something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Uh, you know, the first one, I think, is like shelter and like their mm-hmm. basic human needs. Um, the top one is self-actualization, and it's this peak uh, need where that's where you feel the most free, according to to to, to Maslow, right? Um, and uh, it's people that are self actual actual excuse me, self actualized people are able to be honest with themselves, and they have this element of self care, authenticity, if you will being okay with the direction they go and being able to live in the moment. Um, now that's this, if I ended it there, it would be like a bad clubhouse room where sometimes (laughs) you get on these clubhouse rooms and there are people talking about, here are all the problems. And it's like, cool. What are the solutions? (laughs) Well, we don't know, but I'm really good at defining the problems. I have a love, again, a love hate relationship with the clubhouse app, more (laughs) love than hate. Like, like other things I mentioned, but sometimes, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, it can be a lot of people telling you, here are the problems. It's like, I know the problems. (laughs) What are the solutions? Um, Okay, so here's a practical example of what I've done. Um, and I stumbled upon this, I didn't, but I think this can still be done. So when I was 24, I was cleaning porta potties, as I mentioned. Uh, I, when I first started cleaning porta potties, it was a fun job, believe it or not. <laughs> as tough <laughs> as it was, it was a hard job. Like, in fact, here's how hard it was. 
Uh, one day I showed up to work and my boss had two young convicts there. Um, convicts is a pretty harsh word. They had just, they were just young delinquents. They had put a dry ice bomb inside of a porta potty and the whole thing exploded. <laughs> now that's, um, that's like a class B misdemeanor. Oh, making of dry ice bomb. <laughs> so don't do that. I mean, if you've done one before, just be grateful that you didn't get caught. But it's a, in, in some states, it's a class B misdemeanor punishable by up to, I think, 15 years in prison. Wow. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah. So d- don't don't do it. And if you've done it, just be I, just be just don't just don't do it anymore. <laughs> um. And so I was like, well, these, these guys, their life's over, you know. They put a dry ass bomb in a port body. I wonder what their punishment is. Um, show up to work, and uh, I'm asking them, well, what do you guys have to do? And they're like, well, we just have to do your job for a week with you, and then we're good. I'm like, what? So the government decided that to punish them, they just had to do my job for a week. <laughs> They compared that to 15 years in prison. <laughs> and then they were good. That's funny. And all they had to do was help me with my job. <laughs> they didn't have to do my job. They just had to help me with my job. And I ended up doing that job for a year and a half. So I think that means I've done the equivalent of like 60,000 years in prison or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, so that's how tough the job was that um, convicts would literally do my job to, to teach them lessons, to humble them. That's hilarious. So here I am in this job. And like I said, at first it was fun, believe it or not. Like it was, it was actually very flexible with my school schedule. I'm not afraid of hard work. Like I enjoyed it. And I was actually, I was able to move a lot. And so it was fun. Um, but after a few, after about a year and a, a year and a few months of doing that job, things started to get progressively worse. The company that was very flexible switched over to another company that was very strict. I had to wake up at 5 a.m. And um, had to clean about 100 toilets in a day for about 15 hours a day. Uh, Rain, sun, or, you know, snow. I was out having to work. It started to affect my social life and my school schedule. I, I started to feel so discouraged and then had this moment where I thought, what am, what am I doing with my life? Because is it cleaning porta potties that I want to be doing? How much longer am I going to be doing this? Now, as you're like, well, why didn't you just quit? Because there was this predicament I was in. You see, (laughs) I had backed the truck into a garage door one day and damaged the garage door. And this was like right in the time where I was like, I'm just going to quit. And then I had this incident. And so my punishment was to either pay $1,000 to have the garage door fixed or be incident free for a year. Now I had some beef with that because when I first started that job, there were some kids that committed a class B misdemeanor <laughs> and they only had to do my job for a week. <laughs> and all I did was back into a garage door. And last time I checked, that is not anywhere near a class B misdemeanor. And my punishment was a year That's of funny. cleaning toilets. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, so you can imagine that feeling of desperation because I didn't have the money at the time. Now, I realize had I really needed to quit that job, I could have borrowed the money mm-hmm. from someone and I could have paid and left. But 
what was actually keeping me there was this conflicting feeling that maybe staying in that job might just be what was best for me at the time. And that's the feeling. When you had those feelings, you're like, you should do this. That enslaves you more than than any than money can enslave you to something. You in this podcast thing. You have this consistent thought of like, maybe you should do a podcast. That enslaves you more than anything else, yeah. right? Yeah. So here I was and cleaning porta potties, so feeling so low. And then also discouraged because I just was having this feeling like I shouldn't quit. Um and so in this moment of desperation, I wrote my future self a letter. Uh, and I said, Dear Stuart, you wonder where you'll be in six months. Here are some of your hopes and your, your dreams. And I visualized for myself a better future. It was a very optimistic letter. I put that letter away and planned to read it on some future date. And then I thought, well, I feel like I should be here for a little bit longer. Let's see where this goes. And so the next day I got back to work and the porta potties still smelled as bad as they did the day before. <laughs> the days were just as hot and just as long. Uh, and I still had the truck without any air conditioning, which was hard. <laughs> but I was optimistic. I'd written a letter. I had this feeling that things were going to work out. Um, but I did make one change. Instead of listening to talk radio and music all day, I started listening to inspirational podcasts, which is why I love coming on to podcasts like this, because if anyone's listening to this, I think it's a great way to contribute because a big thing that started influencing my life were these inspirational podcasts that I was listening to. And I would hear how other people got out of their stuck situations. I learned that it wasn't just hearing their stories that gave me the thing, but it was, it was just a little bit of motivation. Ultimately, I had to end up making the decision for myself. Uh, well, I started to be so inspired by what the experience I was having at work by listening to podcasts and working hard all day that I started being excited to go to work. I started like <laughs> eagerly waking up at five in the morning to go clean toilets. In fact, things that normally added time to my day, like a tipped over porta potty, started to be things I looked forward to <laughs> because it meant another podcast that I was listening to. So some, I was like kicking over porta potties just to clean a little bit harder. <laughs> Side note: tipped over porta potties. Uh, this is the most random fact, but if it tips over on its back, you're good. If it tips over on its front, that's where things get messy. <laughs> if you if you wanted to know. <laughs> so if you want to make a porta potty cleaner's job really difficult, tip the porta potty over on the on the door side. <laughs> um, but it's okay if it goes backwards. It's okay if it goes backwards because, like, they're designed where the stuff won't slosh out. Anyway. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so here I was just, like, feeling this inspiration. Um, and six weeks, about six weeks in, I listened to a podcast that was about this filmmaker that came over from Germany and he came here to Utah. And I was like, oh, film and video. I mean, that that's something that I'm I would like to get into the very next talk was about a guy who had lost his wife in um, a car accident and something about both of those talks being back to back just gave me this impression that I want to start making YouTube videos that inspire people I had $800 saved up in my bank account saving it to pay for the garage door <laughs> but I had this impression that I should start 
making YouTube videos and I should buy a camera. So I finished my porta potty route as quickly as I could, went home, got on eBay and bought a Canon T2i. And it showed up about three days later on a Friday. I took it out of the box, it was fresh. I had no idea how to use a camera, but I'm like, let's experience this thing. I took it to a neighborhood camp out and just to try and experience and was taking photos. A friend of mine saw me with this camera at this camp out and he gauged my interest in filmmaking. And he's like, would you like an internship learning how to make videos? I said, yes. He's like, great, can you start next week? I did. By a miracle alone, I was able to work out a deal with my porta potty company, the porta potty company, and not have to uh, pay the thousand dollars and be able to to quit. And I started this internship learning how to make videos. That was six weeks from my lowest point where I had no idea, and then I bought a camera and just took it. To, I didn't even like it was brand new, fresh out of the box. And then this guy saw me with it, and he's like, "Here's your new job." Wow. <laughs> and so there are some elements of that where even in your lowest moment, you have no idea what's just six weeks away from your lowest moment. It took six weeks. Nothing changed really for six weeks. It was six weeks of the same. Again, porta potties were still hard. Like it was still tough work. But how quickly your life can change. And then things started to just go quicker after that. So in this internship, I learned all I could about video and editing and production and video marketing. Uh, a few weeks, a few, a few months in, in December, I had this idea that I should try to make my own YouTube video. Now, it was not the mistletoe prank. Huh. It was a different video that was this parody video. There's this old prank that went viral back in 2012 where uh, in Brazil they set up this fake elevator and they would shut the live lights off in the elevator and then this little demon girl would come out yeah, of the wall seen it and i'm watching i'm like this prank is fake because if that was real uh, you know people would would inflict pain on this demon <laughs> child if they really thought it was a demon child and so i told my boss this and he's like that that'd be a funny parody video you should make that video i was like okay sure I mean, maybe i would i would I kept putting it off and he kept checking in with me. He's like, have you made that video? Look, man, there are bigger things in our company that we need to worry about than my parody video. <laughs> One day he's like, did you make the video? No. And he's looked at me. He's like, I will be extremely disappointed in you if you do not make that video. <laughs> and I'm like, looking back, I'm thinking, okay, that was just the need for approval, right? That was like, <laughs> he knew how to get me. <laughs> but something about that I was like okay I'm gonna make that I shoot this video I try my best I upload it to YouTube it gets no views I stay up all night tweeting it to professional Brazilian soccer players yeah because the original video went was from Brazil and I was like maybe the video ends up getting like 800 views my Twitter gets blocked because I'm spam tweeting people <laughs> and I'm like I made it my first viral video, 800 views. Nice. I'm showing it to people and they're like, cool. <laughs> yeah, sweet. I'm like asking people like, yo, check out this channel. I had nine subscribers. And I'm like, yeah, this is the, <laughs> this is the thing. Well, uh, 
that week I was at church and, oh, excuse me, that same week I went to a Christmas party. Again, telling people about my YouTube channel. Yeah, and there's a, mis- there's a mistletoe at this party and my roommate is there and we both would always joke about like funny videos we could do and we're like, dude, what if we did this video where we did another like sketch where there's this guy, he's trying to get kisses under the mistletoe and people are like saying no. And we're like, oh my gosh, that would be such a funny video. Let's do it. So we're like, yeah, let's, let's shoot it this week. We'll figure out a place. The next day I'm at church and this idea comes to me. It's like, what if it's not a sketch, but it's an actual social experiment? Do people celebrate the tradition of the mistletoe? I'm like, yeah. And so that Monday I start looking for places that we could film. Uh, I find a place on Tuesday we film. I go back, start editing it, realize that we didn't get enough footage. On Wednesday, we go back, and we end up getting this girl that slaps my roommate uh, for trying to kiss him on the mistletoe. <laughs> we get that shot. I go back Wednesday, edit it together, upload it December 12th, 2012 at midnight, go to bed. I wake up, 66 views. I'm like... I made it. There you go. Because I only had nine subscribers, right? And so I'm like, a few of those subscribers watched it a few times. Um, So much optimism. Yeah, so much optimism. So I had no idea what was about to happen, though. My life literally changed overnight. Like, that video ended up going viral. And I frighteningly watched as it racked up millions of views tens of millions of views those nine subscribers turned into hundreds of thousands of subscribers quickly and my life as a youtuber was born uh i recently came across that letter that i wrote myself and the date was june 12th 2012 and the line you wonder where you'll be in six months the day i uploaded the video was December 12th, 2012, exactly six months from the day that I wrote that letter. Whoa, dude. Now, again, that may be more coincidence than it is a science, but like we had mentioned before, I think those are just like little motivations, little thoughts, like like you're on the right path. Not to become obsessed with that, but just to recognize it as a blessing. You and me might know a phrase, the tender mercies, right? Right. These these little um, signs of like, like... little tiny miracles that show that things are working out. So as you hear that story, you recognize these moments where there were moments where I had to make a decision, right? And, and try something and step into an unknown. But even still, my life has been difficult and I've still had to be facing these moments for fear. And so back to your original question at the beginning, why I started explaining this, how do I, overcome those feelings of needing other people's approval. Recently, I opened up that letter again that I had written myself, and I wrote myself a letter back. I said, Dear Stuart, uh, so big news, uh, that (laughs) six months from the day that you wrote this letter, you actually ended up having a video that went viral, and your life changed overnight. You have a collective... 3 million plus followers. Your videos have been seen over a billion times across all the world. Uh, You're famous, for whatever it's worth. Uh, 
And I was able to have this conversation with him and tell him some of these things, but then also talk about some of the downsides that have come from it and talk about some of the areas in which even though he has a lot of following and success, some of the areas that still are difficult and the areas that he still needs to work on and the areas that bring him true happiness. That practical example of writing and communicating with your past and present selves, I feel helps with achieving that highest need of self-actualization, of being able to be honest and true with yourself. And it stems back to what we were talking about before is I think what we need right now is to be able to care and love ourselves most, to be able to look in the mirror and be okay with who we are. So one way I have found of making that tangible is by this process of having a conversation with my past and present selves. This can be done, I mean, if you choose to write your future self a letter now, you can do it, but I don't think it has to be done when large, um, with large time in between. I feel someone can take out a notebook and just have like write out conversation between their current self and maybe their younger selves. And being able to break that down and put your emotions out on paper in an honest, true way with yourself you'll begin to love yourself and to have confidence in yourself and you'll begin to feel safe with yourself. And then you'll recognize, yeah, I am good at making decisions. You'll also recognize times where you are impulsive with certain decisions and then you can recognize that. And then you'll be able to recognize when an idea is an impulse or when an idea is actually an impression. So, that would be the invitation I would give to anybody is take out a pen and paper and or notepad, notepad or something and just write to yourself and write back and see what comes from that. I believe that this practice will help you develop more authenticity within yourself and be okay with who you are. Holy cow, man. <laughs> Boom. That's uh yeah, that's um Elon wisdom for sure dude um i'd love to hear why what's like what's the what are the what are the elements about that that you enjoy i think it's um there's there's a progression to to what you just explained um and it can keep going to better oneself right so it's like on on a surface level it's like just act, right? Just just do it. Whatever you're scared of, just yeah. do it, right? And that's it on a surface level, but it can go within itself, like Inception style. Yeah. And and you can come out of it um, kind of with a deeper understanding of yourself, with, with uh, uh, a better understanding of love. We've talked even about gratitude. Yeah. Um, it, and, and it's like... And, and it's up to oneself, right? Like yeah. how, how far you want to go in, right? So it's like, and I, and I love that you clarified that the, the writing the letter and things don't get hung up on, you know what I mean, that as a practice, right? But yeah. what that kind of maybe the underlying principle that that's talking about. But, but to me, that's what I like is there's kind of a progression to this. Like yeah. it, to, on a surface level, it is just do it. Yeah. Just don't like whatever you're scared of, just face it head on. But then it can get more meaningful than just doing yeah. it. Why am I doing it? And even towards the end, 
and you'd have to kind of rewind and listen to that portion again because it the buildup was perfect right because then at the like kind of what you're saying you'll then understand the difference between like what you call an impression or an, an impulse. impulse yeah and uh and that might be one of the hardest things to do in the world right like yeah. just to kind of like understand like you know what i mean where when when do i do this when like yeah. this paid off this time and understanding where the where the line is between both of those things but but you can get there and i, and I think that's probably my uh, my favorite part is maybe the whole process yeah the progressive process in understanding oneself so and that's why i believe that from what i've obviously my experience is anecdotal there is some research that backs this and we can find it more but i guess in this sake of this conversation just from my personal experience that that um, I noticed that my fear with doing things was because I would make decisions and something wouldn't work. And I'd be like, I don't know if that's like something I should keep doing. Like I should probably not keep spending money and time on editing this type of video or doing this podcast theme, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. I keep getting hurt, <laughs> but then like people tell you, Oh, you do go for your dreams. And so then there's this other side of you. You're like, Oh, I should go for my dreams, but they're not paying your bills. You know, mm-hmm. they're not the, you go to bed with your problems, right? you know? Um, and so I noticed for me that fear was really me just not feeling like I could trust myself. And so I didn't know, is it an impulse or is it an impression? And in order for me to understand, is it an impulse or an impression, I had to pause and reflect and take an internal inventory of myself. And then, like I said, a practical way that I found was having conversations with myself and getting to know myself. And you'd be surprised at what can just happen in even just one session of doing that. And just being like, okay, when we feel this, we feel this drive and this impulse of doing something based off of what we know younger selves and like my what is that and then writing back it's like well like you know sometimes they actually do lead to good things a lot of times they do but sometimes it does lead to things and and we've found that usually if it's rooted in this element it's something that's more of an impulse just by like having that and writing that out with yourself then you've now made that real you've now experienced it and that is a tool it's a arrow in your quiver if you will that Mm -hmm. you can move forward so if i could just use this platform to advocate for one thing it's do this practice in some way i think your biggest problem is not having to muster up even more courage to face the fear it's taking time just to get to know yourself and doing a self inventory and a self reflection. I think that's people's biggest problem. There's this idea. It's like, yo, we got to like hype everyone up and inject people with, with fearless, you know, juices. (laughs) We're just setting people up for failure and burnout, you know, (laughs) like, I know I'm strong enough to do things and like we all have the courage. We're alive today, right? Like if you're alive today, then you have the courage. So I just think that maybe less hype and more encouraging people to 
get in touch with their younger selves. I think that is something that lays a foundation for success. And so again, if I could just use this platform to advocate for one thing, it's before you go worry about, is this the right decision? Take time to pause and truly honestly reflect with yourself. Why do we do the things that we do? Uh, what motivates us? And I'd be curious, is there, after hearing this, is are there things that are coming to mind? What would this conversation be like with your younger self? Um, I, so I, I thought about that as, as you were speaking. Yeah, I'm curious and, um, what, it, what it would be like. I, I think it's similar to what, what you said. I think there's a part of it that would be a shock, right? Because like podcasts weren't a thing, right? When I was yeah. eight years old. But I think that you would be able to clearly navigate like, okay, that makes sense. Maybe there there's, there is a, a shock factor to it. Like, wait, this dude is sitting across the table from a guy who makes videos and he's he's famous and has millions of views. What does views mean? Like, the, yeah. So there would be like, maybe let's call it a, a learning curve to understand this yeah. position in where I'm at today. Yeah. Like specifically this moment right now. Um, but I do think that there would be, once that learning curve is understood, that, that it would make sense. Now, I'm, I'm being nice to myself in that way in this setting, right? There's yeah. other settings where, like, I know that my younger self would be like, dude, you need to hit the treadmill. <laughs> like, <laughs> or something like that, right? But, like, um, but I... Why, I would think, he, why, would he, why, would you, why would your younger self say that to you? I think this might be more of a shock to my and younger self. And then what self. would you say to him? <laughs> This is this is uh, interesting. So, like, um, for me, as a younger dude, and I think even culturally, like in in the way that we grew up, right? Sports was kind of like yeah. the thing. And I think, and you'll hear a lot of Polynesians talk about. There's even like a documentary they talk about like how sports was viewed culturally yeah. as kind of the way out, right? Like your ticket out the hood or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like, and that was kind of so. Sports was kind of just like a big deal now I wasn't I was never very good right I was just kind of your average football player but that took my all of my mind right like I was just like dude I'm what kind of player am I going to be this kind of like um and so I think that's why because my mind was kind of just not open to other possibilities and and not because uh of choice I kind of just didn't even know right I just you mean it was maybe an education thing like I I didn't know that you could be a business person. I didn't know that there, were, yeah, that conflict or tragedy would create opportunity, right? Yeah. And and that would be part of my response back, right? I think there is an element like, dude, yeah, you're right. I need to be healthy, right? But I think what I would say back to myself is, um, I've learned more. Mm. Like you know what I mean? There is more than just sports. Mm. And That's I think inspiring, yeah, yeah. And and so um, the. I, I think my words now I, I can't articulate it as best uh, or as good as you did, but I, my that would be the spirit of of my letter yeah. back to myself is like. Um, that's so cool, and I think that's the moment that we need is acceptance because whether or not we understand it, like the dreams that our younger self had and the mindset that our younger self had affects us to this day. So that's why I love this idea of like we can almost literally travel in time and go back and change how we thought. You can travel back in time, if you will, through pen and paper to your younger self and say, let me teach you a perspective you didn't know at the time and about life is that there is more to just sports and that 
you can pursue many different things and become a well-rounded individual. And I feel so happy and joyous. And then your younger self writes back like, wow, that's so amazing. I'm so grateful to hear that because that is something that is going to change my life in the future. And it's like, literally, it's changing me right now. Yeah. So you're like, I mean, this is getting really high up in the clouds right here, but it's like, I think about it as this idea, like you can literally go back in time and change who you are right now. It's like in a, a Back to the Future movie or something like that. If you went back in time and changed something about your younger self, when you came back to the future, it would be different. By doing this practice, maybe that's something you're actually doing. You're traveling back in time, changing the way your younger self thought, and then mm-hmm. you're immediately seeing the results. And maybe not immediately, but you're you're seeing the results of it happening right in front of your your eyes. Absolutely, man. I think um, so. When 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 I do these interviews, and this is kind of just a little bit into to like my personal psyche, right? But when I do these interviews, I think about like uh, I I try to think in terms of principles. I'm like, okay, what what principles uh, one or many are is the person that I'm interviewing talking about like yeah and uh, for me what just off the top you know being present in the moment I'm sure when I listen back to it I'll probably I'll find a bunch more but like in the moment what what I, I'm thinking about is this principle of visualization right to your future self six months like you you had mentioned or back to your past and kind of mm-hmm. understanding oneself and, and then this ties into the other principles of gratitude and and loving oneself um and and just the power of being able to visualize and and some people might call it meditating or just this or or tie in this study from your psychology class or whatever but um i think in spirit or principle it's the same i think um not only is that powerful but what's interesting and i gotta we'll we'll work this into this interview somehow but when you first sat down like this is to the listeners, right? When we sat down and I, I believe we were recording, I mentioned to you, I was like, hey, when I first had this idea for this podcast, I wrote down a bunch of people that had ties to Utah that mm-hmm. were making a positive impact in the community and your name, Stuart Edge, is on that list. And, and it's happened a few times too with some of the people yeah. uh, that have come on. And then you, you spoke. And so I'm going to add that in here somewhere. Yeah. But I, I think what's interesting is that was like my personal visualization exercise, maybe not as detailed as a letter that number one manifested itself yeah. in this interview already. That's the first thing we talked about. And then that kind of ends up being like this, the theme of, of our conversation, which yeah. I think is super powerful. And then even to go more meta with it, YouTube is a visual thing. <laughs> like yeah. we watch YouTube and we see your things. And so that's, I that's more in the clouds and funny but, yeah but it's uh I think going back to your original point when we first started talking I told you about that list that I made and I think your first words were like that's a visually visualizing something is yeah. a powerful thing and yeah here we are an hour and some later another thing that I like to do is drawing out and I found this practice I took a, a 12-week course called starting and growing your business and I was very amazed by the things I learned because one of the activities was we had a blank square, you know, about six inch square on our paper. And it said, draw a vision for your business. And I had this feeling. I was like, I'm going to draw myself in Hawaii talking to people. And 
because I had drawn that, I started to seek out opportunities for that. I went and did a fireside in LA and someone's like, I love what you're doing. Can I help you in any way? And I was like, I'd love to speak in Hawaii. She's like, I can hook you up with someone. A few weeks later, I was in Hawaii speaking. Like I was literally like doing the thing. That's why I think visualizing is so great, right? And, and, and it really, I think what it just really helps is it's putting our goals down on paper in a mm-hmm. way that's maybe a little bit more exciting than just writing them down. So yeah. I do think there's, and we've touched on, I just, I, I think this whole principle of, of being true and honest with yourself, really honest with yourself and paper in some way can help so many things. One thing that I see that can be very toxic is things like hyper spirituality or being hyper emotional or hyper driven anything like hyper right like it usually stems from people that are emotionally needy or like myself that i feel like we didn't get the attachment we needed we feel like we're needing emotion and connection and that's why i think this is the antidote it's not more encouragement to do things it's more about being honest with yourself i'm in the process of writing a book called how to be famous and it's not how to become famous. Like, it doesn't give you steps on how to make it into fame. But it talks about once you've achieved some level of success, how do you actually live a day, a normal day-to-day life? And the element of fame actually applies to so many people. Anyone that is trying to have influence in any sort of way, down to a parent having influence over their children, right? How do you actually live as a public figure or someone that has this. And I think the core element is going to be, no matter who you are, you have to be okay with yourself. You have to be okay with who you are and learn how to trust yourself. So again, the message I like to share is just learn to be okay with who you are. <laughs> Dude, I love that, man. Look, I, um, I, I have two, two, two more questions that, yeah, I want, that, sure. I, that I want to shoot and then we'll wrap this up. Um, this, this one is just kind of maybe would kind of wrap up this kind of the bulk or body of, of our conversation. Um, what, what, what does your, your kind of letter in your, you know what I mean? What, what does your letter to your future self say now? Like if you were to write a letter to yourself in the future, what are some of the elements that you, you would put in that letter? Um, it would be... Hey, Stuart, um, I ha- I've decided that I'm, I'm taking this path, and I recognize that maybe at first glance it seems like it's stepping away from like the life of flash and lights and all that stuff, and, but it's what I feel is most healthy for me, like just living this lifestyle. Um, I'm deciding to make these steps. Um, I'm trying to live like the way I want to live when I'm 50. Nice. So I'm just, I'm, a really, I'm really trying to visualize right now, like, okay, because I'm getting older every day. Every day we're always getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, someday I will be 50. Uh, my mom is 50, and so I look at her and I'm like, oh, wow, like someday I will be 50. Uh, when I look back, what are some of the things that I really want to feel like I accomplished? And when I think about living at 50, what's going to bring me joy at 50 
is was I healthy? Was I able to live a balanced life? Am I at this stage? And maybe it's not so much a list of all these things I accomplished, but did I not sacrifice my mental and emotional and physical health in the time? Because I've been learning, especially in this journey of doing entertainment, your mental health and physical health and spiritual health really is is so important because I'm not going to take my money with me when I die. I will take my character, and character takes time to process. Character takes time to develop. It's a skill that needs to be learned. And so uh, my letter to 50 is, um, I hope you're reaping the benefits of the things I'm trying to do now, which is focus on being a person of character and having integrity and virtue. Dang, man. (laughs) And... Yeah, and I hope you're enjoying, like, hope you're happy and working, but it's almost like it would be a letter of self-sacrifice in a way of saying, like, I'm giving up what I think I want for what I know I actually want. Dang, man. That's uh, bars, man. <laughs> <laughs> bars. <laughs> Thank you. Well, here, this is this is the last question, and we yeah. ask this to everybody that comes on the podcast. And I think it's actually even more fitting given our conversation about yeah. reflecting back and, or, and looking forward and then being present. But this is a reflective question. Looking back at your journey mm-hmm. from your time in Mexico uh, to your success, initial success on, on YouTube with the pranks, the mistletoe prank, and then even... I'm a fan of Jimmy yeah. Fallon. You made it on Jimmy Fallon's show, and yeah. and you're still you got billions of views and and lots of endeavors as a businessman, yeah. also that you're uh, pursuing now. But um, when when all of that is considered, and we bring up this principle that we talked about, yeah. gratitude. Yeah. Um, what stands out to you in in what you're grateful for in your journey? Um, I'm grateful. I'm still alive. I to keep going another day. Not that I had um, desires to personally end my life. Um, I'm grateful that hasn't been a struggle. I know that is a deep struggle that a lot of people struggle with, and that takes a lot of work. And I guess I would just give someone encouragement, like stick around, you know, and see a therapist or a friend. Um, But I'm just grateful I didn't die by accident or doing some getting on a car wreck, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, I'm grateful I'm still alive to keep trying. Um, And I'm grateful for the optimism and the hard work. Looking back, though, I think I turned a blind eye to a lot of red flags in my life that, um, yeah, a lot of problematic behaviors, um, like spending too much money trying to, like, get something going like this balance between being eager and being like overzealous. Right. Um, and so I'm just grateful that I'm still around and, and have this perspective to like keep moving forward. But looking back, I'm like, I would give any advice to someone that's like really take time to like understand who you are and why are you doing the things that you're doing? Jeez, man, I can't, I can't top that. So I won't even try, man. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Stuart Edge, thanks for coming. Thank on. you. <laughs>